Down and down again. Oh. I got so high, left my frown in the wind. Oh. Hard, I tried, never try it again. Cause these niggas is lying again. Oh. I'm a black lion, I roll like a tire. Girl, in my dreams, I don't sleep, I don't oh, find her. Shit. If they sleep and they need a reminder, this is for niggas who think we minor. It was a little over a year ago where the wrestling world was shocked. And that's saying a lot. But I want to say the last three years, we've had a pandemic. We've had partly a recession these are things this world has been through before unfortunately this generation this time this era has been dealing with so much you think about what's going on from 2001 had terrorist attack to a war to a recession to a pandemic back to a light recession as of right now and It just takes so much to shock this world, especially with the things we see on social media, if you stay on social media long enough. But I remember vividly where I was when I saw the news that Bray Wyatt was released. I saw this big picture saying breaking news. It was from ringside news of all places, which I don't take any, uh, give any credibility to. And I remember vividly saying, huh, that looks like it's not right, but it makes sense. I remember saying, bless me, thank you. Um, Excuse me, guys. I remember saying, that doesn't look right, but it feels right. We all remember the last visual of Bray Wyatt in WWE. WrestleMania. He turns around, Alexa Bliss distracts him. He hits, he gets, he runs into the RKO, and that was it. Like Seth Rollins even said, the only person to ever really get to Bray was Randy Orton. He ended a world championship reign of Bray's. He put the fiend on fire. This guy just has Bray Wyatt's number. Let's rewind a little bit, though. At one point in time, Wyndham Rotunda was named Husky Harris in the Nexus, and he was sent back to developmental for weight issues. And... Then all of a sudden, when we see him reemerge on the main roster, he is in these vignettes with this weird swamp gimmick with Brody Lee and Luke uh, and uh, Eric Rowan. And I remember seeing a behind the scenes because by this time I was still watching NXT off and on, but I wasn't watching it every week. I watched it when I knew something big was going to happen. And so I had seen this character. I didn't understand the character. But the character hadn't been fully developed yet. You know? But I remember seeing the behind the scenes of the music that they used. How they got the music. Like, just Bray Wyatt's mind for the business. Now, I remember I read a comment one time. And someone said, dude, Bray just needs to go into special effects in the movies. I don't care about his matches. I care about the stuff he does. The, and the entertainment aspect of it. And I hope... People that listen to this podcast know the difference because that's what this is. This is, we enjoy the entertainment aspect as well as the wrestling aspect. I know AEW and everything else is not sports entertainment. 
It's not, but it is a form of entertainment to it when you have Moxley cutting promos saying he's the heart and soul of AEW, or when you have CM Punk saying these guys aren't number one in anything. That is the entertainment aspect of it, the promo stuff, the skits. That is the entertainment aspect of it. So let's not get, don't at me as the kids say. And I remember vividly watching this and saying, okay, cool. And I remember reading that comment saying, that is a very interesting thing. I don't know how many classic matches Bray Wyatt has. If, if, if you ask me, top of my head, he has two. And we said this the other day. Brian Danielson has gotten the best out of him that he's ever had. That's just that's just the guy that, that gets him. The two World Rumble matches they had are classic matches. Outside of that, nothing. But in fairness, there's been so much stop and start booking with this guy on the main roster. And when you make a guy like this, a character like this, it has to be protected at all costs. It has to be Undertaker-like. Here's the thing that always confused me about Vince McMahon's booking. He knew how... Undertaker, and I think he even said this, he barely lost. And when he did, it was usually shenanigans. Undertaker does not have many clean pinfall losses in his career. And if he does, it's to the big names. It is to Austin. It is to Triple H or people like that. But this character, Bray, is that second coming. He can be that second coming, in my opinion, because he seems to be treated well. And so he lost a lot. And he would do a lot of spooky gimmicks. And I get it was a part of the character, but it didn't hit. And he really only, he barely won when he needed to win. Like, even his world title run. Like, it was rumored for at least four to five weeks, Bray was winning the the WWE Championship in the, in, the, in the Elimination Chamber match. But Cena was the one that said, hey, you need to win the right way. And so once he won the Elimination Chamber, the elimination chamber match, excuse me, I think he became the first world champion in this, in this uh, well, NXT's world title, and Bull Dallas had that. But the WWE title, Bray is the only one in his family to hold that championship. And then Cena was the one that said, hey, no, he needs to beat me. That's the way he becomes a real champion. And the following Thursday, or Friday, it was, I think it was Thursday night, SmackDown, when he beat John Cena cleanly, you could hear Cena saying, now you're a real world champion. Go kill him. What a compliment. And Cena, I think, understands his mistakes. WrestleMania 30, outside of Brian Danielson, Bray Wyatt and the uh, Wyatt family weren't the next biggest thing, but they were top five, top three. And people in that building, I was there, I remember the feeling. People were ready for Bray's time to come that night. They thought he was for sure getting a win over Cena. Speak about the deflating fucking moment that was. Holy shit. That was terrible. And I remember between that, The Undertaker, which I love, by the way, that was a very deflating WrestleMania. Outside of the opening segment with The Rock, Austin, and Hogan in the main event, that was a very deflating WrestleMania. You know, you do the, you do the kickoff show where Cesaro became a name, right? But outside of that, there were some, some decisions on that WrestleMania 30 that are still questionable to this very day. Well, as we move forward, we get the Firefly Funhouse. We get this uh, Mr. Rogers version of Bray Wyatt, which is excellent. All of his Firefly Funhouse stuff was just amazing. Always amazing. Must watch for me, personally. 
And I remember it, it's I remember I'll never forget it. I was listening to a podcast and they said, hey, you know, it's rumored that Bray's getting a world chop title match. Well, I was like, damn, the Fiend just showed up and just demolished Finn Balor. Like, he, that, that that's weird. Like, why, why so soon? Then they baked, they put themselves into a corner. And they put him in hell in a cell. And the less spoken about that, the better. Seth Rollins even came out and said, apparently him and Bray went to Vince and said, hey, this is not the right, mis- this is a terrible mistake. And then Seth, even Seth, Seth, Seth was so open in that interview. It was so great to hear him talk that way. He said, dude, that killed the Beast Slayer character. I had to become a heel. And he's right. Like, when I watched some of the book, like, Seth Rollins was crying. The Beast Slayer, the guy who just defeated Brock Lesnar twice in the same year, was crying. I never seen the top baby face treated that way. And someone that was super hot and super over. It was weird. And you're expe- I was expecting a maul. I was expecting a mauling. I really was. I was expecting Bray going there, torture this guy, and win the Universal Championship. It didn't happen. Rollins got disqualified for kicking too much butt in a hell in the cell match. Crazy shit. So then you move forward. He finally does beat him at Crown Jewel. Wasn't the same. Was not the fucking same. And so. Seth then has to turn heel. And I remember the tweet that Bray put out. He says, I knew it was in you, Seth. And so, this the Fiend character was leaving people, we're leaving people different than he left them. But he didn't leave them better. I agree with Seth Rollins. And then he runs into Goldberg. And I'll never make, I'll never forget the comment Bully Ray made. We'll talk about him later, too. He made the dumbest comment. He says, you fans don't get it. It's WrestleMania time. Yet, you don't get it. It's fucking stupid, idiot. It's fucking stupid. It's fucking stupid. And Goldberg wasn't wrong either. I don't know I don't know why people are mad at Goldberg. Goldberg was like, hey, this is your WrestleMania match. You and Roman Reigns. You're going to go to Saudi Arabia. You're going to win the Universal Championship. The same way Goldberg didn't ask for the Universal title. And we all know how that was supposed to, it was supposed to be Jericho Owens. The best thing WWE had going at that time. Feuding for the Universal Championship, and Vince McMahon said, "Well, Brock and, and Goldberg need it. it. They didn't need it, so they they did a, a switcheroo, so to speak, and they put the U.S. Championship on the line. No one gave, gave a shit about it. Anyways, the point is, we move, we keep moving forward, and this character is barely going anywhere, and he got some noticeable wins, noticeable losses. Like he, like no, I still don't know what that swamp fight was between him and Braun. He legitimately just put." Threw Braun into the water and made him bald. Uh, uh, that was weird. Um, then we get to stuff with Randy Orton and Alexa Bliss. I don't understand what happened there. We're never going to know now. We're never going to know. Because we never got that shoot interview. Bray stayed quiet. Uh, Bray stayed hella quiet. Which is something different for the today's wrestling uh, landscape. He's, we, he said he was ready to tell a story. But maybe, here's, here's my thought on that. The reason why he stayed quiet, not because no one knew Vince was going to be retiring or forced out, but I think he wanted so much money. He said, look, here, I'm not going to mash any other company until I sign to another company. But I said on his podcast, he didn't fit in, the, in, in AEW. He definitely, Impact could not afford him. And the only place I could think of was New Japan. But I don't think they would give him the creative liberties as a WWE would. The only place he fits is WWE. 
Bray Wyatt only fits in WWE. Unfortunately. But fortunately. So I think that's why he stayed quiet. But then once Vince retired, there was no reason to stay quiet. Remember, Triple H was giving this guy back to help him get over. And they get and they came up together with a character that um dude, the reaction the Wyatt's and the Shield got before they even touched in February of twenty fourteen, was it? Amazing, electric, electric. The first match, fun fact, the first match I walked watched on WWE Network when I got it. That wasn't wrestling, because WrestleMania was, it, it was, I think WWE Network came out that Monday or Tuesday, and I couldn't get to work because it was crashed, because so many people were trying to get on. And I remember, it came, I never, I remember like, maybe like the Tuesday or Wednesday I got on, it was fine. And I remember the first match I watched, and it was before WrestleMania 30, because I was actually there. WrestleMania, the first match I watched was Shield versus Roman Reigns. I mean, for Shield versus um, the Wyatt family. That match is still so much fun. So fucking classic. And, see, and to see four of those six become world champions, to see five of those six become pretty big until Brody's passing um, was, was awesome. But... Then we get to the Randy Orton stuff. No one, I have no clue where this is going. The Fiend gets burned. Then he loses at WrestleMania, and that's the last we see of it. Then all of a sudden we see him released. Then you hear the rumors of hard to work with. and Eric's a, I think, if you've noticed, the times we've been told this, and I think I've said this before in the show, the times we've been told that people have been difficult to work with, it's because they care about their character. And why the bleep wouldn't someone like Bray Wyatt care about the character that he puts so much time and effort into? I don't know what his merch sales are, but I know for a fact the Bray Wyatt, <coughs> excuse me, action figure is the reason why I started started having to go back to ringside collectibles to collect to get to my wrestling figures. Like AEW, I remember I was talking to somebody, you know, doing the toy hunts for the first AEW waves. And uh, we talked about this a little bit. And I remember uh, Figure Four when I when we met online. I was like, I was like, yo, like, how you get them? He's like, dude, I'm just pre-ordering them. So, like, dude, just pre-order them. But before that, because I thought he did toy hunts, but apparently, but he doesn't. He just pre-orders everything. But before that, that Bray Wyatt figure came out, and I remember like it, it wasn't out yet because as you guys as I, as I've spoken about. The mountain time, like we get things last here. Like I, I know it's the trend. You get on the East Coast first, then it'll move to the South, then a little bit will be in LA. But once I seen it hit the boondocks of Texas, like what from my Instagram, and it's like saying Plato, Texas, or whatever. I know it's not the boondocks, but you get what I'm saying. Like the no name towns that people don't really know, like it's not like Dallas, San Antonio, whatever. That's when okay, cool. We need to look out for it. I remember saying to myself, let me go on Ringside Collectibles. And I just, I remember it was sold out on Ringside Collectibles. And then all of a sudden it popped up, hey, Bray Wyatt back in stock. So I, so I, so I ordered one. And I remember like see, walking into a Walmart maybe two or three weeks later and seeing people like grown adults as well, all getting the Brays. Some people, like, I, it was like, it was crazy. Then they had the Ringside exclusive with the Firefly Funhouse and all this stuff and I remember saying to myself, well, this guy's super fucking over. First of all, the mask. Or the, the mask, the, it's all amazing. But I've noticed, the point of all this is, the point. I, I just know that 
It's it's why wouldn't it be difficult to work with when someone cares? When someone cares so much, that's kind of the problem. Like I, I, I'm using the restaurant business, and this is not apples and apples, but follow me on this journey. So, some of the best servers are some of the most annoying servers because they're needy, and 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 they go back and they yell at the kitchen. The kitchen yells at because they want their money, but and which makes it hard to work with them. Because when their money, when they're in the middle of their money, the Saturdays, the Friday nights, and it's busy, they're hard to deal with. And But in the kitchen, they care about their work, too. It's like, hey, you're not rushing me, mother bleeper. This temp says medium rare. So it makes this it makes it a difficult situation, especially if you don't like confrontation. And Vince might like competition, but he doesn't like confrontation. There's a difference, obviously, with the wording. But think about this. Think about the times where... Everyone's been difficult to work with. It's because they've questioned Vince's vision. And Vince has gave us some great moments. Let's, 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 I had to tell Jonathan Nestor the other day, I said, dude, you're an, you're an extremist right now. Like, I don't, and I, I've also, I, I've been asked this several times. And I don't know how to answer the question. That's why I haven't done it. But people say, hey, man, you haven't really destroyed Vince like most podcasts. I said, why would I? He gave me some of the best moments of my life. The mega powers exploding. Good friends, better enemies, seeing Sean Michaels being put through a table and powerbomb. And as Sean's getting up, it's like, just give up. Just give up. It's not worth it. <laughs> seeing Austin bleed buckets while Broward has him in the sharpshooter submission hold. It just felt like anytime Vince wanted to go away from his tried and true, which is having one mega star and then stars in the bomb. That's when he's kind of just um, lost himself. And last few years, yes, he's lost himself. But also, I can't stress this enough, people. I can't watch the hours of Raw straight. I can't. It's just too much, too long. And that's saying a lot for someone who used to watch football games, basketball games. Those are three, four hours long, too. However, the difference is... I think you need to switch up the characters more. Like it's refreshing sometimes. Hey, we have Bobby Lashley on the show. Then we see two. Then we go two weeks without seeing. Well, that's okay. But you can hardly do that when some people aren't TV. Like NXT people aren't TV ready. Like for as good as Braun Breaker is, Braun Breaker is still very fucking green. So it's like one of those things where it's like, like, like I don't want to see him on TV every week. I mean, we shouldn't. It's what makes Roman Reigns special. When he's on TV, it's TV time. You know. Um, I wish they would take Seth Rollins off TV more. He's a special character. Um, but as we move forward, then we never get this interview, and we get these hints, these QR codes. Everyone knows it's Bray. And it was so funny because a few months ago, Bray posted something on Twitter, and someone underneath in the comments said, "Bray, stop fucking around. Just come back. I'm tired of this shit. It's time to work." <laughs> he said, "Time to go back to work." I, I feel like I feel like I can't hear this dude in his dad voice. Stop playing around. Get back to work. I it just people have been craving this guy. People have always liked this guy. They've always liked him. They just didn't like the way he was being treated. And I feel like I know I went off on a tangent there, but to me, I think the most difficult people to work with are some of the most creative, some of the hardest workers. And I do think it comes a point where it comes a point where you just have to accept them for who they are. 
and once again, we we'll never know this. You know, we don't we don't know if he was going there yelling at Vince. I doubt it. But you know, it's one of those things where Hogan was hard to work with. If you didn't pay Hogan the right money, it's like wow, that doesn't work for me, brother. Oh, you want me to lose? Think about this story that Kevin Sullivan told. This is a true story from, and I believe it. It was a match in WCW. It was Hogan and Macho versus what, what were they called? I'm about to say the fucking Doom Patrol. I know that wasn't it. It was uh, whatever that stupid, the Dungeon of Doom and the Four Horsemen. That's ten motherfuckers against two in a three-part steel cage. And Hogan and Savage had to climb up, or was it go down? No, they had to climb up each level, and each level was different. These two motherfuckers beat 10 people. And Sullivan had to do that to appease Hogan. Hogan was like, four people? That's not enough, brother. That doesn't work for me. I need 10. Speaking about hard to work with. So don't give me this hard to work with shit. Because he's done it before. So, then we get these QR codes. Everyone knows it's Bray. It looks like everything's signaling to stream rules. So then we have Sunday, excuse me, Saturday night. I'm recording this on Sunday morning. And I didn't watch it live. I actually went through the spoilers as I was watching it when I got home. And I cherry-picked the things I've watched. I was watching. The things that interested me. Because this for on paper, it was like a good pay-per-view. I just didn't have interest in a few of the matches. So I went and watched, I really only watched one to watch two or three. And those matches were going depth about. And all of a sudden, I see the picture of Bray. I'm like, oh, he's back. Cool. And so I waited until the very end to watch it. I went through streamers. I watched the first match, the Brawl and Brutes versus Imperium. I watched um, Finn Balor versus Edge. And I watched Matt Rowe versus um, Seth Rollins. But we're going to skip past those and get to the, the end. Matt Rowe celebrating with Daniel Cormier, who can't stop looking at the camera. And very awkwardly, by the way. And then all of a sudden, the lights go out. And we have characters from the Firefly Funhouse now human beings spotted all over the crowd then you have a fiend mask on michael cole's desk with Corey graves it's like holy shit that's interesting and then all of a sudden you see a door a door opens people are going crazy and it's like okay cool this is a nice reaction for him you know he walks in he has the urn people are still going people are now it's building they're getting louder and he has this new mask the mask is fucking fire. Gives me an idea for this this character I'm working on. Then all of a sudden he takes the like he's breathing heavy. You could you could tell he's feeling the adrenaline, right? Because he's breathing heavier. Then Bray takes the mask off. The people go ape shit. They go crazy. That is the biggest reaction he's ever gotten. That is one of the best reactions of the year. Without a doubt. One of the best returns ever in wrestling history. And I said that and I mean it. And then he looks at the camera, and it's so loud, you can't hear him say, let me in. It's so loud. And then, before he can even blow out the urn, it goes out. But, impact, immediately fucking made. And my first thought was, that's a fucking return. Now we wait. And we see how it's going to go. And I'm not going to book anything I'm enjoying the moment I'm enjoying the moment for Bray for fans um, 
And let's see what him being booked right looks like. And honestly, this makes me really go back to WrestleCon. I remember going through a list, and I already remember mine up. I said, I'm going to experience something different. I'm going to go to WrestleCon. I wasn't going to go to WrestleMania. And I remember like when they announced Bray Wyatt, I was like, holy shit. I have to go. Like, this guy's not going to be on the market for long. Who knows? So I'm super glad I was able to get his autograph. Super nice guy having conversations. So what a moment. So let's talk about this uh, Extreme Rules match. I'm going to give the results first. Then I'll tell you about the matches I watched and the matches I enjoyed. And all well, the matches that I not enjoyed, but the, the ones I, I really wanted to watch. The, the, the night started out with a bang. You had Brawling Brutes versus Imperium. The Brutes win. After a controversial loss. So they protected Sheamus. I, I, that's a, I wasn't sure. I, I, I wanted Sheamus to win that, that championship. But it was a controversial finish where Gunther, Walter, used a shillelagh to get the win and retain um, on Thursday. So that kind of sucked. But Liv Morgan lost to Ronda Rousey as she passed out. And Ronda Rousey is the new women's champion. SmackDown. Karrion Cross defeated Drew McIntyre. Bianca Belair retains over Bailey. Finn Balor makes, makes Edge say I quit. Matt Riddle makes Seth Rollins tap out. So let's go to the matches I watched. The Brawl and Bruce vs. Imperium. This is a great feud. Uh, I, I, this, it's, it's, it feels like it's coming to an end now. And it has to so they can move on. Both groups. But this was a war. This was a battle. And this is what it needed to be. And uh, Sheamus is probably the most over he's ever been. And when and when they decided to pull a trigger on him... And because and, he's getting he's getting that intercontinental title, I don't know when, but he's getting it. Period. Bottom line. And like I said, as, as it's been rumored, Drew McIntyre is to face Walter at WrestleMania. That, that's already planned in apparently. So expect Sheamus to get that championship very soon. Um, I wasn't surprised that Ronda won. I picked Liv to win because I thought they would keep that story going. But look here, she won Money in the Bank. She had her moment. She has two pinfall victories. Over Ronda Rousey. I mean, that's saying a lot right there. Um, I don't know where you go with Liv now. I don't know. Because um, now she's been getting booed and stuff. Maybe you turn her heel. I don't know. Uh, Ronda, Ronda's destination has to be WrestleMania Night 1 main event. The match we should have gotten. But we didn't. Against Becky Lynch next year. That's that's her destination. I don't know where Liv goes. Karrion Cross. Drew McIntyre, this just had to be what it had to be. This I would assume this feud is not over. Scarlet sprayed something in Drew's face. Who knows what it was? I was surprised to see Bianca retain over Bailey, but at the same time, I feel like Bianca is so over and Bianca is so protected. I just feel like With Bianca, I feel like it's one of those things where I think when she loses it, it has to be a bigger deal. I picked Bailey the ones I thought they put them in a match because they didn't want Bianca to take a pin. But I think they're seeing this as whoever beats her is going to have to be a bit. I still see Bailey winning though. There's no way Bailey and Damage Control are not on the other on one end of a fucking hell in a excuse me um a War Games match this November next month. There's no fucking way. I don't see it. So that surprised me. This didn't surprise me, but it's happily... Well, it happily surprised me, let me say that. Finn Balor getting the win over Edge. This was... Everything was thrown at the kitchen sink. Everyone got involved. Beth Phoenix got involved. Rey Mysterio got involved. The Judgment Day got involved. This was a fantastic match. 
I love the story was that was told here. Uh, Edge has been very protected since coming back. He obviously has a lot of say. I think he does work on creative some. But I think the only clean, clean pinfall he's taken outside of the Randy Orton greatest match ever, air quotes, no air quotes, you can see me doing air quotes, is to Seth Rollins. Otherwise, he usually usually loses by some chicanery. And this match had everything in it. Beth came out, had her moment. The crowd went fucking crazy when Beth and Rhea went to went face-to-face. And you have Beth saying, this is your dream match. I'm going to turn it into a nightmare. Um, those two going out was great. Obviously, this is going to lead to a match. I think we're going to get a mixed tag first. But this was great. And then you had Beth Fiends getting knocked out with brass knucks. And she sold Beth was the sell of the night. She was legitimately the best seller of the entire fucking night. Once she got hit with those brass knucks, she was lifeless. I loved it. Then you have the Judgment Day holding Edge. And I loved how Dominic took a nut shot from Edge and sold it the rest of the time. It was great. And if you've ever been kicked in the nuts, you know that shit just doesn't go fucking away. So um, he's holding... They're holding him, and he's looking. He's like, he's, he's yelling for Beth. Like, this such great storytelling right here. And you guys know I'm not, you guys know I'm not a huge fan of Edge. You guys know this. I've, I've been on record plenty of times saying this. This was such great work by Edge. He's like, hey, Beth. And he's like yelling her name. And he's telling her, like, he's like, just make, she's seeing if she's even fucking alive. We, we know she is because she's breathing, but she's not fucking moving. Great stuff here. And so, Rhea's looking at him, and Finn says, you have one more time to sit before you say it. If you don't say it, you know it's going to happen. And Rhea picks up the chair. She's about to do a one-woman concerto. And she's like, quit. And he, I love how he subtly says it three times. And he says it louder each time so the freaking hears him. And then they taunt him. And Rhea says, say it again. What did you say? And he finally, like, stops struggling. He's like, I quit. And then she looks and laughs and says, and you see Finn's face. Finn like looks at her and shakes his head like, like a little kid getting candy or whatever. And she, and she says the best line, you taught us too well. And then boom. And then Beth sold the concerto perfectly. I love how there is no heel Corey Graves or face Michael Cole. It's like, God damn it. And he's like, someone get some help. Someone get some, someone get some help. And, and just, it, I loved it. Great storytelling in the end. The right person needed to win. This clearly isn't over between these these two teams, these two, two, two groups or whatever. But the Judgment Day is finally being used. We, we already know what Triple H thinks of Finn Balor. We know Triple H thinks the world of fucking Finn Balor. Finn Balor's greatest success came under Triple H. And so now, him, now he has a win over Edge. I still think a pinfall victory is needed. But... As of right now, that was a great story they told there. Great fucking moment. And Matt Riddle would make Seth Rollins tap out in the fight pit. Uh, this was different than... This was a steel cage match, too. This was different. I know they did a different setup, and maybe they didn't have the room to do it. But I preferred the first two fight pits as far, because of the what, of the structure of it. Um, this was this was fine. Matt Riddle, Matt Riddle needed the fucking win. Speaking of people who need wins, Matt Riddle needed... I don't think that fucker won a match in a while. A high-profile match, so he needed to win. So, is that your Extreme Rules? Uh, my thoughts on Extreme Rules. Let's get to some news and notes and get the bleep out of here. I, I still have to watch the next three episodes of She-Hulk and record that show, and I'm excited to watch those shows. Uh, and, some, and some unfortunate news. Mandy Rose's brother has passed away. 
That's why she wasn't on NXT on Tuesday. Um, my condolences to you and uh, feel better and take your time coming back and, and you're having the greatest success of your career. So take your time coming back. It's important for his legacy to live on through you. You're doing great work. Renee Paquette is rumored and expected to sign with AEW. Apparently, WWE had interest in bringing her back, and they wanted to talk to her. Apparently, they talked a little bit, but it wasn't enough, and now WWE is fully expecting her to sign with AEW, which kind of makes sense after we heard, after we heard this. John Moxley has signed a new five-year contract. He is booked and locked in until 2027. The rest of his prime years will be in AEW. Um, as his, uh, his, uh, his, his role will expand with mentorship and all this other type of stuff. I mean, apparently, supposedly, nothing is confirmed, but apparently he was, John Moxley, was working without a deal. And AEW were, made made this top priority to re-sign him. And honestly, I think, I, I reason I believe that report is, I think he promised them to get them through the summer. I said, hey, I'm going to take a vacation after that, then we'll talk, talk negotiations when I get back. And that vacation never happened because of, you know what? And this was, Dude, this is, it's only been three years in, and I understand this, and I'm going to still be a moment in the time person, a time in the moment person. That time in the moment? That makes no sense. <laughs> what is the saying I'm looking for? That Those two aren't it. Um, what the fuck is it? Um, a in the person moment. Thank you, Ryan. So chemical. Um, and I know it takes years for people to say someone's their franchise, someone is their, their, their heart and soul. John Moxley is AEW's heart and soul. And he's doing now what he was doing in WWE when he was like on a, I think he was on a streak of like, until he got hurt and I think he got the staph infection, he was on fire in WWE, then he got hurt. But he hadn't missed a house show or anything. He was like, he was the Iron Man, and now he's doing it on a, a greater scale just because he's been—he's a world champion. He's—he doesn't lose very often. Um, but this was a must. This was a must-have for AEW. If they would have had this week where you had the Andrade and Sammy thing, which we'll get to that in just a moment, uh, back to that for a second, and then they lost John Moxley, what the fuck would that have been about? Jesus Christ! And this guy—that would have been terrible. I mean, that would have been a huge loss. I know a lot of you guys don't like him, but honestly, he is the franchise for AEW. He is the first ever three-time AEW champion. He will he will be the most decorated AEW world champion in history for a very long time. For a very long time. Someone will come and break the record. Someone will come and break the three-time record. Someone will be a four- and five-time. Let's recognize that. But what he's done for AEW since coming there? Nah. Won't happen again. Um... Also, let's while we start, let's talk about John Moxley. He did lose his championship match against Nick Gage. Nick Gage is your new GCW champion, but here's how they got out of it. The firm cost. The firm fucking showed up at, G, at GCW event. W. Morrissey and Hope. Excuse me, Silky Hathaway. I need a drink of water. Or, oh, ooh, Canada Dry. Even better. Mouth was dry, sorry. And um, they fucking show up at the GCW event to screw over John Moxley. And now he's not 
on double champ status anymore. He is just AEW champion. Nick Gage's career is saved. And the firm, once again, is firmly, pun intended, in the pocket of MJF and helping him get into the, the, the head of John Moxley. Nigel McGuinness was supposedly or reportedly released last week by WWE quietly. Sarah Logan will be returning to WWE. MLW signed Sam Adonis. I think it's a good pickup for them. I really like his work. I've seen a little bit of it. Um, but if you haven't seen it, I would YouTube some of Sam Adonis, yeah, Sam Adonis work. The investigation into the brawl. Well, I put brawl gate here. But into the brawl at uh, All Out has halted due to legal threats. I, I don't know what that means. I don't know if this is a CM Punk thing or the elite thing. I would assume it's from both sides, if we're being honest here. The Vice TV produced doc on Vince is called The Nine Lives of Vince McMahon. It will cover everything from his rise in power into his retirement, which is going to be very interesting to see there. WB announced this week. They have new WB announced teams coming during this Monday. According to TMZ, Jimmy Smith is done with the company as the new Raw announced team will be Corey Graves and Kevin Patrick. Kathy Kelly is back with the WWE after taking her, her hiatus, or she left, and will do interviews with people in the backstage, as well as Byron Saxon will be now an interviewer. That's an interesting move, going back to two-man boots. That's very interesting. I want to I want to hear how that sounds tonight, as you guys are hearing this. SmackDown will be Wade fucking Barrett, Mr. Bad News himself, and Michael Cole. And the NXT one is the most peculiar, as Vic Joseph is staying, but Booker T is joining that's speak about interesting that's fucking interesting there nikita lyons and zoe stark are new number one contenders for the women's tag team championships they defeated toxic attraction to get this shot veer is officially back with nxt doesn't know it's still it's, no one still knows like like Meltzer and wade keller were both like we think he's back with NXT short term to bring Senga to the main roster as a tag team. So right now he's back with NXT, but it looks like they're going to just move them up to the main roster immediately. Andrade has had a hell of a week. And now it's reported that there's more drama with, with him. So last year, I don't know if you guys remember this, because it was, it was long ago. Just a year, of course. And, um, excuse me, when Omega, Kenny Omega was the belt collector. He was supposed to drop that Triple A championship to Andrade, but due to politics and Tony Khan asking, "Hey, can you not pin my world champion?" You know, Omega forfeited the title, and then they did like a four-way match. I forgot who won the four-way match, but the winning four-way match and it wasn't Andrade, obviously. But that was the original plan that had been the plan the entire time. Now Omega was highly protected. The only person to pin him as AEW World Champion was Christian, and he pinned him for the Impact World title. But that was the only man to pin him until Hangman pinned him. And so Tony Khan asked, and that's what happened. Well, apparently that put Andrade and AAA on the outs, because Andrade was promised a World Championship run, which he's never gotten. And uh, it started there. But Andrade has had a hell of a week, because Andrade's been trying to get fired. And I remember, I was so surprised last weekend... After Andrade was saying the tweets he was saying 
I was listening. I listened to two podcasts. I don't listen to many podcasts, as you guys know, but I listened to two podcasts. And to hear those two people who I respect their minds to say that he's just playing along, I was like, nah, it doesn't. This doesn't feel like. It. I said this on Wednesday when we did the, when we did the um, the the fucking uh, predictions. I said, nah, this 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 didn't feel like that at all. This felt like, hey, I want the fuck out. Let me out. I, I'm gonna date myself here. Do you guys remember the Flintstones theme song? And you, and remember the the video went with it. If not, YouTube it. At the end of it. Fred gets locked out of the house and he's banging on the door. He's like, Wilma, right? This felt like this was Andrade banging on the door saying, Tony, let me the fuck out of this contract. Now, I was listening to a little bit what Dave Meltzer had to say. And Meltzer said, dude, he's talked to like wrestlers over the years plenty of times saying, hey, you're trying to get fired. It's not going to work. They're not going to. I, I go with what, uh, what's his name? Fuck, the one that talks with him all the time. I don't remember his name. He's a wrestler too. He does a show with Mike Simper Vivi as well. Anyways, he had an idea. Don't remember his name. I apologize. Still wrestling over TV. And he said, "Hey, just sit him home. You're gonna lose money anyway. Might as well just pay him to sit home and run his contract out. If it's a two-year contract, he's another two years." And so that would speak of cold. It's one thing to not be on TV very much. It's nothing to not be on TV at fucking all. Jesus Christ. But I don't think it's going to work either. I don't, I don't see them buckling to just release him. And so he wants out. He should probably negotiate, probably negotiate that shit. But, like, he had that moment. Now this, like, all this stuff is coming out. And honestly, Andrade, he, Roosh just signed with AEW. This, is some, this was the same. He told Roosh, do not sign to WWE when WWE wanted him. Because he was on the main roster at that point, Andrade was. And they weren't using him right. And he said, uh, yeah, don't sign. And now you have your homie who just signed AEW and you want out. So, I don't know. I'm not happy with his booking either. I'm not. But Jesus, D.H. Christ, dude, that something has to change. Also, it was reported that before Cody got hurt and before Vince lost power, supposedly Vince had not made a decision or not on whether he was going to put a world title on Cody. Those plans are still very much up in the air now. Now, I do think Triple H will do the right thing. I do think Triple H will put that WWE Championship on Cody. He doesn't need to be the one to pin Reigns. Because here's the thing. The Universal title didn't exist when Dusty was a wrestler. That's not the story that Cody is telling. That's not just the road to Cody's story. It's the WWE Championship. That's the one. I, and I do believe next year Triple H will do the right thing. Jeff Hardy was reported a couple weeks ago how he was return close to a return. Apparently, those return he's not close at all. Apparently, he's still under contract, but he's not close to a return at all. Let's talk about Impact Bound for Glory a little bit. Bully Ray, this is what we brought up earlier. He made his return to the ring in the Call Your Shot Gauntlet match, which he won. Josh Alexander retained the Impact World Championship or later in the night. Bully Ray came out and faced him while holding the championship. For those of you who don't remember, Bully Ray is a two-time former Impact World Champion when he was uh, under H&H Banner. So this is not like it's a tag team wrestler going, no, he, he's a former World Champion. So um, there you go. And Kazarian, who left AEW, is now the X Division Champion. And Mickey James defeated Mia Yim. I thought this was kind of like her, this was the last rodeo match. So I thought this was kind of like her into the sunset moment, but it looks like she's going to be around for a little bit longer. 
and Jordana Grace retains her women's championship in a hell of a match. She looks like she's gotten a little thinner, and I feel like that's done her wonders because she's always so bulky and muscular. She's too, she's like Scott Scott Steiner. She's too athletic to be that bulky because then it then kills what flexibility they have. But Jordan Grace, Jordan Grace is one of my favorites. So, um, but I also want to say the reason why I brought this up is because Impact got screwed this weekend. <laughs> So, essentially, they had to show... Bound for Glory is their WrestleMania. Their biggest show of the year. And they had to put it on a Friday night because WWE put Extreme Rules on a Saturday night. Usually, it's on Saturday nights. I was like, well, God, these motherfuckers can't catch a break. Jesus Christ. Like, I just felt bad for them. And um, I do believe they're, they're, they're doing much better. And I don't follow them every week, but I still know what's going on. I was just like, oh, shit. But, um, yeah, I just felt bad for them. So, those are the news and that's what we're going to talk about today. And we will hit SmackDown. SmackDown, Zelina Vega returned. She's not with the Queen gimmick anymore. She's actually aligned with Legato Del Fantasma, which means Electra Lopez is out, which is weird. And then it looks like the first few will be with Hit Row. And it's just, uh, I don't know why they did it. Um, we know the success Zelina Vega has had as a manager. We know that. Like, her history with Andrade got him a U.S. championship. And a NXT World Championship. That is where they're at. So this is not this is not a bad pairing. It just is very interesting. The last time we saw in canon, it was everything's in canon now. We saw them being picked up outside the NXT parking lot. Alexa Lopez was with them. So another another case for unsolved mysteries, unfortunately. And um, also on SmackDown, Sami Zayn cut a hell of a promo. After Logan Paul is trying to cause dissension in the ranks of the bloodline. And he caused Roman Reigns to break character, which was hilarious. I didn't catch it the first time. And then I was like, why is Logan Paul laughing during this promo? I'm like, that's not... F- that. I rewinded it. And I was like... Because you, you see him looking at something. And I'm like, he's not looking at Sammy. And I was like... And I said, I rewinded it. Because I was watching on YouTube. And I rewinded it. I said, oh, Reigns is laughing. And Reigns broke out twice. He was like, you're number two, dog. <laughs> when Sammy said that, I lost my shit. I was like, but he cut this very impassioned promo saying how you're the, a stinky number two, whatever the fuck. The point of it was, Logan Paul was trying to say Jey Uso is the head of the table. And Reigns turned around and was like like looking at him. And later in the night, you see, after uh, no, Zane got, was talking and Jay was getting hot, he's like, don't be a hothead. And Reigns like, no, dude, you have been hired our entire life. He says, it's not my responsibility anymore. It's now Sammy's responsibility. Oh, boy, that's going to go over well with Jay. Jesus Christ, he already hates this guy. But, no, I loved the story that was happening. I love how Reigns, just two weeks ago, went from, what are you talking? Why are you talking? Giving him a shirt to Sane has his own voice in the group. I love that. And this is, I'm telling you now, Jimmy is going to be the, Jimmy and, and, and first of all, Jimmy and Solo will, 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 will jump in when they have to beat Sami Zayn up. However, those two will be the most reluctant. Jay's going to be all over that like a fat kid on cake. But it's one of those things where you can tell it's going to be hard for them. You see, you, you just see the, the pride in Jimmy's face when Sami's like just being loved by Roman. And boy, oh boy, I'm telling you now, I, I'm calling it, I already said this two weeks ago, Sami Zayn has earned himself a world championship run 
with this because he's a babyface again. And we know how great of a babyface he is. We know how great of a heel he is. But they still have the conundrum of the WWE and the Universal Championship being on one person currently. They got to find a way to get that WWE Championship off of Roman Reigns somehow. I'm telling you guys right now, the best way to do it is to have a match where it could be war games. Hey, if Roman Reigns submits or says I quit or whatever the rules are, he loses both titles to the person that makes him submit. But if the bloodline just lose, I don't see bloodline losing, though. That's why I don't, that's why I don't like this fucking idea. So I'm not even going to say it anymore. Anyways, I don't like the idea. So, and, and finally, the last thing we'll talk about today before I get out of here is my Tony Schiavone action figure and Jim Ross action figure came in. And I opened him earlier. I love him. I love how they come with the chairs. This is Tony Schiavone's first ever figure. That's fucking awesome. I actually I actually forgot to uh, pre-order the Excalibur. I'm actually going to do that this week, pre-order the Excalibur figure, and have my entire AEW lineup set. But I love the chairs. I, that just made me happy, seeing the fucking chairs. Like, dude, they came with fucking chairs. So, anyways, um, that's super cool. I'm actually going to talk about the Quake figure more on the Wednesday show. Um, I was going to see if they... I might still... I might, you know what? I'm going to actually make a run to a comic book shop today and see if they have the US agent. I'm going to see how much it is first. Because I, I got that for retail. And the comic book shops usually hit you for like 10 to 12 more bucks. I want... I like supporting them more. But, like, they usually ship harder. So... Anyways, that's your Monday show this week. Check me out where we're, we talk about the Wednesday show where we have episodes four, five, and six we review. And actually, this week is the season finale, maybe series finale, of She-Hulk. So that's super awesome. I, I will then get a chance to watch all the episodes and see where they go with it. So um, I'm excited for this week. Hope you guys, This was the first week of my new schedule, and it's fucking brutal. Dude, it's awfully brutal so um glad we get to show in glad we got the returns i'm glad i'm glad where pro wrestling's going so talk to you guys on wednesday i'm so chemical please like follow subscribe and i'm out